hi, it's Elise Lunan, host of Pulling the Thread. Today's guest is forensic medium and Yeshua channel, Carissa Schumacher, back for the second time to talk about the relationship between the human and the divine and what it means to be alive in this moment of time. I woke up at 2 a.m. last night drenched in sweat, throwing bedding off of me. Every pet was also on top of me, which probably didn't help. Many nights, I have the opposite problem, where I'm hunting in the hall closet for extra blankets in the wee hours because I'm freezing. In part, this is because my husband and I have wildly different sleep temperature preferences, and I'm cold because he's left all the sliding doors in our house wide open. But there's actually a solution I've come to learn. And I'm all about a sleep solution because we know how important good, uninterrupted sleep is for every facet of health. Have you heard about Chili Pad by Sleep Me? It's a bed cooling system designed to revolutionize the way you sleep naturally. The Chili Pad bed cooling system is your new bedtime solution. It lets you customize your sleeping environment to your optimal temperature, ensuring you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. Chili Pad works with your existing mattress. It's a water-based mattress topper that continuously controls your bed temperature from 55 to 115 degrees. You can also choose a different setting than your partner, so you each get what you need. What I want? A cool mattress with piles of blankets on top. Chili Pad believes sleeping at the optimal temperature helps people naturally reach their highest potential physically and mentally, Visit www.sleep.me slash thread to get your chili pad and save up to $315 with code thread. This offer is available exclusively for pulling the thread listeners and only for a limited time. Order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free if you don't like it with their sleep trial. Visit www.sleep.me s-l-e-e-p dot me slash thread because you're not just investing in better sleep, you're creating a better life. Hi, it's Elise Lunan, host of Pulling the Thread. I'm an author, podcast host, and parent who built a long career in media, I grew up in a state of perpetual curiosity, investigating the world and asking a lot of questions. In this show, I chat with culture-defining leaders, thinkers, and experts about this rare moment that we find ourselves in and how to think about our own lives and experiences within a larger social and spiritual construct. If you are in a Western life and are designed as an empath or a spiritual being that feels things very deeply, It is important for you to hold and maintain your peace and to send, to usher that energy to others that may be experiencing pain and suffering at any given time. If you were in a period in your life in which you were in pain or suffering, would you want everyone else in the world to be suffering along with you? Probably not. If you were sick, you wouldn't want all of your family members to be miserable and sad just because you're feeling sick you would want people to be in their peace you would want people to hold that energy of joy because that is what creates healing energy and meaning and purpose so says Carissa Schumacher 
This is Carissa's second visit to Pulling the Thread, and I highly recommend listening to that introductory conversation if you're new to Carissa's work. Otherwise, buckle your seatbelt. In this conversation, Chris and I dive into many of Yeshua's recent transmissions, including the necessity of moving empathy into compassion, the essential nature of suffering, the difference between purpose and vehicle, and the universal nature of intuition. We cover a lot of ground. I also wanted to tell you that due to popular demand, Carissa is going to lead a study group for her in Yeshua's book, The Freedom Transmissions, an essential read if you haven't yet picked up a book. This is going to be an online four-day journey in June with some visits from special friends, including Yeshua. I will be in the group to help facilitate the conversation and hope to see you there. Carissa just put up a website, finally, where you can find all the information you need about her Yeshua, the Freedom Transmissions book, journeys, and sessions. It's at thespirittransmissions.com. Information about the online journey in June is also there. Okay. Let's get to our conversation. There was a moment in one of the transmissions, I think actually when we were in Hawaii, where Yeshua said something, which I underlined five times because he said it so emphatically, where he said, I died for it so you could live for it, which I thought was so beautiful. And then to kick us off, and I have a lot of, I want to talk to you about mercy and Mm. confusing dharma and vehicle and a lot of other concepts but i decided to like play the freedom transmissions book roulette tarot card game (laughs) and i (laughs) because and it's true a lot of people use the book this way where they just open to a page and i opened to the spectrum of spirit Mm. literally to that opening chapter on page 237 where he says While spirit is here for you, spirit is also relying on you for your choices, the choices of those in bodies right now, as is the collective, as are you. For it is up to you all to either fight against the changes and movement of divine energy within self and world through complacency and chaos, or to allow for them through simplicity, faith, and reconnection to your ecosystem and global community. Without that, your species and many others will not be able to sustain life through the imposed imbalance, imposed authority of dominance you have asserted onto your earth. And then he goes on to say, it doesn't mean you need to halt your life. You just have to come into balance. And then this is like one of the best things you've ever said. So this feels, of course, I would open to this section. You said this, or Yeshua said this in a transmission a while ago. While internal evolution can lead to external progress, external progress does not always lead to internal evolution. So can we start there with your understanding as Carissa, not Yeshua, of what it means to co-create with the divine and what it means, like what is, what's our responsibility here and how can we live for it? Maybe I should just bring Yeshua through and let him answer that question, but <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to take a stab and I'm going to weave in a couple of themes from the March journey transmissions, just because those really speak to the essence of this question so much. And I do want to thank you uh, for noting and bringing awareness to the nonlinearity of the freedom transmissions The freedom transmissions, just like all of Yashua's transmissions, are very nonlinear. So you can move over into this page over here and then backtrack to this page over here. 
and receive something entirely new. So it really does, reading it in a nonlinear way, it actually enhances and augments your experience of the text because of course, divinity and humanity is very nonlinear. It's very dreamlike. It's almost like a spiral. We move into different layers of excavation. And so moving through it and with a little bit more of that feminine energy really allows the divine to bring you what it is that you need to receive from the text on any given day. And it's the same thing with tr other transmissions that he gives. A transmission from June, he was speaking about evolution and progress, weaves and correlates into just a random page within the freedom transmission. So, and brings you to deeper levels of the we weaving and braiding of divinity within your life. So I thank you for sharing that so that folks that are reading it now, or will read it at another point in time, understand that this is not a book that you coast through, take a couple of notes and then leave behind. There's something really special with sitting with each page or even with certain portions that resonate for you during a certain period of time in a specific way. And then weaving back into the past and into the future, it's really be very beautiful and timeless. So with that said, sacred seeds. Okay. I'm going to weave this through from the March transmission. So in March, Yeshua discussed really the essence of the cross and these two planes of existence that we experience within human form. He spoke about the plane of the horizontal, which is very much the human plane where we're going through our human lessons, our linear mortal based lives, where we're going through our progression and children and aging and all of the things that we do and are expected to do. And then he spoke about the vertical plane. And the vertical plane of the cross is very much that connection and that communion to spirit. And of course, he also mentioned he's, he's just not an avatar that encourages us to destroy the horizontal and only live a vertical life. That mm -hmm. is fine for some people who can meditate for 20 hours a day in Tibet, but for the majority of people, we are living a life in which we do have responsibilities and things and lessons that we came to learn within the horizontal, including relationships and sharing. And so what I love about Yeshua is that he always, he always reminds us that there is a balance between the horizontal and the vertical. And when he was speaking about evolution versus progress, specifically what I, what I took away from that is that on the, we have been focusing almost exclusively on the horizontal plane. In past civilizations, there was a lot more connection to the vertical plane, even if it was through religion or even indoctrination that came through culture or religion, there was still more of a need that we had for that connection and that communion to the vertical for some people, because people's lives for the most part were not great for the majority of history. And there was a certain peace and a certain grace and connecting 
to that vertical plane, even praying for things like crops and ceremonies and all of these things that our ancestors of all cultures and races did for thousands and thousands of years on this planet to feel a communion to something greater than themselves. But as we've progressed into more of a secular type of society and also a very mind-based age, very masculine age that is very much about reason and science and progress and structures, we have been very engrossed in the horizontal. And the horizontal is also a man-centered universe. I am the center of my universe. Humankind is the dominant force within the ecosystem. That is a byproduct of that as well. The vertical, more of a vertical type of culture or essence is more of a God-centered type of essence. It's more of a we-centered essence instead of a me. So the horizontal plane is really where we've been for a while, where we are focusing on progress, progress. Got to make more money, got to build more stuff, more technologies, more and more and more. And we don't want any of the destruction. So we have been really almost pulling to the extremes of the horizontal. We're even seeing this in society right now with, you know, some people are moving horizontally this way. Some people are moving horizontally this way. And there are clashes that are going on within this separateness and within this division. So the horizontal is not just a linear type of path. It is actually something where two different sides can reach very high levels of polarity if there is too much saturation and not enough restoration to that center point of the cross, which is the balance between the horizontal and the vertical. So when he's addressing our responsibility, you know, we're not responsible for all the extremes that happen in the the horizontal, but we are responsible for ourselves. And our responsibility is to rest in the center of that cross, which is bringing more of the vertical into our lives, whether, whether it's through meditation or ceremonies or time in nature or even shifting our behavioral patterns to focus more on the bigger picture, on the evolution. Because in all of this progress, progress that we think that we're making for us now, we are going to impair the evolution of other species on our planet. The vertical plane really governs that element of of evolution, especially within self. I know so many people that They get caught within the progress, 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 even people that are spiritual practitioners. And all of a sudden they start feeling less and less joy from what it is that they're doing. And they realize, oh my gosh, I've been focusing too much on the horizontal. I've been accomplishing all of these things, but I actually feel like I'm devolving. I'm less happy. I'm less peaceful. And if they own that responsibility and accountability, they'll bring it back to the center and really focus on what is the balance that I need to strike within my life. So when Yeshua said that in the freedom transmissions, it was an introduction to the energy of accountability and responsibility, which of course in May or in the March transmissions a couple of weeks ago, he mentioned that responsibility is our ability 
to respond to things within our life. Meaning we think of just responsibilities as these burdens and got to get through it. But really responsibilities are commitments that we've made. If you buy a phone, you're structuring a commitment. And so you have to have the ability to respond when you get that phone bill at the end of the month. And so when we have too many commitments, too much stuff, too much progress, so much doing that we forget to be in the being, we can start carrying so many responsibilities that it actually weakens our ability to respond to our own commitments in general. And then we get so committed to things in the horizontal that we forget about our commitments to the vertical. And we have made commitments as souls, spirit beings that are coming into bodies. We have made a commitment to evolve within this life. We have made a commitment to serve and to bring our unique essence into this world and to work towards refining that and giving through it with compassion and joy and kindness for a, to a certain extent. But when the commitments in the horizontal start becoming so great that you can't even honor your commitment to the vertical, which is also your commitment to yourself, to your joy, to your self-love, that's when things start getting out of hand. And so mm -hmm. in order to shift this paradigm and find the balance where we can be, where evolution in the longer term, thinking of the we with choices of our ecosystem, choices of ourselves, choices with balance, even with regards to technology, taking the time for the moments of being, for the moments of stillness, that is a priority for us to be able to shift this paradigm and where we've been going overall as a species. And this is not something that is overnight, but those that are taking the time to commit and owning the responsibility for that balance between the vertical and the horizontal, that is an extraordinary service. And moreover, it's a service that will bring you joy at the end of the day, because when you have that balance, things are pretty peaceful and you're not so overcommitted that you've weakened your ability to respond to the things and the people and the family members that are actually important to you. High schoolers are busy, but no one's too busy to help fight cancer. The Leukemia and Lymphoma Society is looking for their next Student Visionaries of the Year. Could that be your child? High schoolers who participate in the seven-week philanthropic leadership development program gain valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship. Forming strong teams behind them, they fundraise for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor right in their local community. Most importantly, this campaign is an opportunity for high schoolers to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on the lives of blood cancer patients and their families. Sound like something your child might be interested in? You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at lls.org students. That's lls.org students. Service through joy versus 
servitude, which I know you've distinguished. But then, you know, we look at what's happening, Ukraine and Russia, the the planet, these things are all interconnected and related. And it's really difficult, I think, for people to know, okay, what is my responsibility to that global conflict or the warming planet? And we live in a culture, too, that would pass, you know, going back to accountability, would pass things like global climate on to the individual actions of citizens, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you're not recycling enough, or you're you're driving the wrong car, etc. So where's that line? I know that's a really hard question. But as someone who feels over responsibility for things that I recognize are outside of my control, and that's probably just like our egoism in some ways, right? But how do we stay engaged with things that feel too big? And is it real? Is it our service then to just stay in balance and stay tight to that, the center of those two poles? There are two components that I want to weave into this when it comes to wider types of collective things. We need to be a bit careful not to get lost in or appropriate other people's pain. I've had a couple of sessions recently, and and the words that I'm about to say are going to be somewhat controversial, but I'm going to say them because this is important. I have had a couple of clients recently that (laughs) have shared things like, I can't get out of bed. I'm suffering so deeply watching the news and seeing what's going on in the Ukraine. And I just, I I just feel all of this suffering and all of this pain. And, and I'm like, okay, well, what are you doing? Oh, I've been lying in bed. And that does not help the people in the Ukraine. If we were talking about global warming, you know, you appropriating all the sadness of the whales does not help the whales. When you are feeling that level of empathy within yourself or legitimately you are feeling the, wow, that this person is experiencing something devastating. I don't know exactly what they're feeling. I'm not going to project my thoughts or my egoic response to what they might be feeling onto them, but I feel empathy. The next step is to move that into compassion. Mm -hmm. Compassion is an energy that moves the empathy into service. Yeshua has been talking about a lot about internal things, love internally, trust externally, forgiveness internally, mercy externally, and empathy and compassion are that same energy. If you are feeling empathy on the inside, move it into service and compassion, whether it's saying a prayer for those in the Ukraine, whether it is holding that energy of joy, it doesn't matter. But if there's no one in the world that is holding the energy of peace and joy within the world, the energy falls away from the earth. So what you are holding If you are in a Western life and and are designed as an empath or a spiritual being that feels things very deeply, 
it is important for you to hold and maintain your peace and to send, to usher that energy to others that may be experiencing pain and suffering at any given time. If you were in a period in your life in which you were in pain or suffering, would you want everyone else in the world to be suffering along with you? Probably not. If you were sick, you wouldn't want all of your family members to be miserable and sad just because you're feeling sick. You would want people to be in their peace. You would want people to hold that energy of joy because that is what creates healing energy and meaning Mm. and purpose. And the second thing that I'm going to say about this, apart from those moments where we're feeling all of that energy, what do we do with it? What What is our responsibility? It's to ask yourself, what is the most compassionate thing to do in this moment? Is it compassionate to me or the ecosystem or me and another person? Is it compassionate for me to be wallowing and absorbing pain to the point that everybody's in pain? Is that the compassionate thing? Is that the service-oriented thing? Probably not. To ask, how can I move this into compassion? The beautiful thing about compassion is the word passion. There is a movement of passion that comes through peace when you are witnessing or experiencing something that doesn't feel right. And all of a sudden it brings that inspiration to share and to get involved and to provide some sort of support in whatever way it is that you can. The second thing that I wanna say about this, I just touched on a second ago. There are times that you witness something that you have not created. It is not your responsibility to get engaged with things that you yourself did not create. And I'm not, I'm talking about system level things. That doesn't mean that we all don't share and co-create, but there are issues that exist on the planet that are not specifically in alignment for your evolution and service in this life to get engaged with. Mm -hmm. In those moments, it is best to hold space. Other moments where there are wider types of issues that are aligned for you to weave and braid with, or that may be Uh, karmic ancestral or personal karma. And it's important for there to be an involvement to help untangle you or an area of service that is emerging. So let's say that we have the war in the Ukraine over here and you feel terribly sad, but you don't necessarily feel that you need to get engaged and drop everything or sign up for rescue missions or whatever else, then it's important to hold space to bring the vertical, that source energy through yourself. Because if there's no one here to hold the vertical, then there's no divinity. Then there's no light on the planet. Yeshua was wonderful. He didn't heal every single person, but he did hold space and plant seeds within every person. So if you are not feeling 
the Mm. call to make a commitment to get involved that will require time and energy, that's okay. The whole Messiah complex and I should be getting involved in this is what can create a lot of overwhelm. It's almost better to pick one or two things that you feel deeply passionate about and to make commitments to those two things. But if you start taking on all of the problems in the world, nothing is going to get resolved and it will break you at the end Mm -hmm. of the day. So there are times that it is wonderful to hold space, but your discernment, the discernment part of your intuition may be saying, probably not right for me to get entangled in that right now. There are other times in the latter case. So let's say it's global warming or the ecosystem or bringing farming or water into communities. If intuitively, intuition is a soul-based energy, while it works with your emotional body and your mental body, it's not governed by your thought body or your feeling body. It is a sovereignty. Your issue, your intuition is really that part of your soul that keeps you on track. So your intuition is a soul-based energy, and there are two ways that it operates, discernment or inspiration. When you see something or experience something and you feel the empathy Your intuition will tell you if it is in alignment for you to get engaged in an actual horizontal way. We're always engaged in the horizontal from the vertical, but if you are to get engaged in an actual horizontal way, your intuition will bring forth the energy of inspiration. Mm -hmm. Inspiration. And I did not know this until Yeshua said it a couple of weeks ago, is inhaling spirit. That's where it it means breathing in the Holy Spirit, where somehow something just comes through and you feel an inspiration to raise money, to sign up for a volunteering type of thing. And that inspiration, there is a joy And there is a rightness and there is a knowing behind it. If you get entangled in things that you feel empathy for, but are really not things that are in alignment, it will feel like more of an obligation. Hmm. If you're following the, the inspiration, it will feel like a service through joy and of course catalyze a tremendous amount of evolution in the process. Mm. Does that help? Yeah. I mean, that was amazing. There are so many things to go into there. But the inspiration, I loved when he was talking about intuition, which created so many light bulb moments for me in ways that I've misinterpreted it, but as sort of a universal collective energy and distinct from our instincts and emotions, what Mm. we want or don't want, but that as a pure, a, a, a more clarified calling that's not necessarily intended to serve our wants, right? Hi, puppies. I apologize for that. (laughs) The funny thing, I just want to mention this, the funny thing about animals 
is that they have an unbelievable way of aligning us with the vertical plane. So do mm-hmm. children, especially small children, they bring us into the present. And that can actually, it can be very, very hard for people that are so used to the horizontal when your child doesn't want to get into the car, wants to play 15 minutes before school. And in your horizontal linearity, you're like, get into the car, get into the car. (laughs) But children and animals, they have an interesting way of keeping us in that balance of, of the vertical and the horizontal, which is, and so does nature for that matter. That's really a wonderful intersection. So I just wanted to mention this for those that do have dogs or other animals or small children, thank them, even though they can be very frustrating to the mind (laughs) and the linear ego, thank them for holding you accountable for, for spending more space in the vertical. Pulling the Thread is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes Max, my oldest, tells me he wants to go in the back of the house and talk. What he means by this is purely the verb. He doesn't want to have a conversation. He wants to talk, to vent and unload, to fill me with factoids. Mom, want to know 40 things about acid rain? But more often, to get things off his chest. It's fascinating to listen to him and what he perceives to be injustices, annoyances, and harms. I recognize that in those moments, he doesn't want advice or for me to higher mind him or for me to justify his own feelings to him, but simply to be a container for the one-sided stream, to just listen. I recognize what he's doing because I do it every week too, in therapy. I was thinking just the other week that it's rare to find someone who will just listen Maybe point out some patterns or hold me accountable when I say something wild. Wait, Elise, pause. Do you really feel that about yourself? Or why do you think you care about this so much? But aside from these moments of intervention when my therapist makes me reflect or feel, I'm doing the talking. And it helps me feel so much freer. Thank God for therapy. This is one of the reasons I'm very excited for therapeutic solutions like BetterHelp. They have licensed therapists who are available worldwide and specialize in depression, anxiety, sleep disturbances, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBTQA issues, grief, and self-esteem. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with the therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash PTT today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash PTT. All right. So intuition, universal yes. good or universal service. Mm-hmm. Is that accurate? We'll go with it. Okay. <laughs> the, other thing, <laughs> the other thing from March, and again, this, I found a lot of comfort in this. It can also feel it's controversial in some ways, but you know, we live in a culture 
that would disavow or not disavow, but want to ignore suffering or believe that we can abnegate suffering or make it go away or that to suffer is to wallow is to fail. And we're very quick to hurry each other on like that our discomfort in other people's pain is understandable. It's very human. But Yeshua essentially said, allow yourself and each other your suffering, right? Like that's the point. That statement that he made on the March journey, I wasn't even going to bring it up today. It, that one has shifted my entire reality and I'm still sitting with that. It actually liberated me from 39 years of codependency and things like that. (laughs) So those of you that have had people in your life that have addictions or some codependency or control things, the statement that Yeshua made, and it is controversial because the mind does not understand this, but it's so important. He said, never deny another the right to their own suffering. And that never deny another the right to their own suffering. So often we want to go in, you know, even as, even as parents, the parents of the, we want to go in and we want to prevent our child from ever going through any suffering, or we want to alleviate the suffering of a person. But number one, there is a difference between suffering and pain, which I'll come to in a minute. And as Eckhart Tolle has said, so I'm going to quote him on this, suffering is the great awakener. When you get involved and start projecting and kind of creating love knots, lowercase n-o-t, love knots, you can wind up impeding the process of another's awakening or movement to the consciousness which is why it is so important. And Buddha has actually expressed, Buddha expressed this in some of his writings as well, where compassion is not taking on someone else's pain because then we have two people in pain. What's the good of that? We've just taken shadow and light and brought the light into the shadow. That doesn't serve anyone. Compassion is holding the space to raise the other person into the light through love and also through acknowledging that person's sovereignty. They are a sovereign individual. It is their choice if they wish to struggle, if they wish to joy, if they wish to change, if they wish to move, that is their choice. Mm -hmm. And honoring another's sovereignty as well as having the humility to understand when you're in, when you're serving and when you're entering into servitude through suffering is a very close distinction, but hand in hand with that, after he said that statement, never deny another the right to their own suffering. He then said, and never deny another the joy that they experience when they liberate themselves from Mm. that suffering. If you're Superman and every time 
you know, rescuing your kid, kid steals the car, gets into a car accident, totally fine, buy them a car, no consequences ever. They're never going to feel any joy for taking accountability and responsibility and growing into who it is that they are and building things for themselves. Mm -hmm. You can inspire, inspire another's movement out of suffering. You can guide them if they're open to it. You can hold their hand as the divine holds our hand, but you can't do it for them. Just Mm. as the divine doesn't deny us our right to our own suffering. There have been several times in my life that I've been in suffering and I'm just like, you know, divine, where are you? Take this away. Why do you allow this to happen? Victim, victim, pity, pity, pity. (laughs) But I would rather have a God that honored my freedom than a God that was an over-controlling parent. And that kept me small and little and incubated and changed my diapers. And that's not what we are here for. We are gods in training. We are evolving in our divinity. We're moving from consciousness that is unrealized. And through each moment, through each day, we're becoming more and more realized. And there is nothing quite like suffering to occasionally be to be just the thing that someone needs to say, I can't live in separation and imbalance anymore and start taking the steps to move into the vertical and to find their balance and their peace. Hmm. Pain, pain is different. Pain is an actual very essential part of life. If we didn't feel pain, if you knocked your knee into a wall and you didn't feel pain, that would be a problem. If your leg was amputated and you didn't feel a thing, that would be a problem. If it weren't for pain, pretty much all species, at least mammalian and vertebrae species, but of course there are many other life forms, fish, birds that experience pain as well. Pain is a very important guidepost. Pain, even grief, Grief can feel very painful, but grief is not suffering. There is a love in grief. There is a pain that can feel like your heart is shattering when there has been a loss, but there is something that is sacred. There is something that is moving and communing and timeless. It's a form and expression of love. Suffering is different. Suffering feels like the void or the hole that just is never ending. There's no way out of it. It is completely isolating. You feel helpless. You feel alone like a child screaming in a dark room and no, nobody is coming for you. That is suffering. It is a pit. And of course, it's an illusion. But sometimes it takes moving into the awareness. You have to become aware of the level of suffering. Because once you do, it moves from its unrealized form, 
which is the suffering, the awareness comes through, and then all of a sudden, that suffering can move into awareness. And very interestingly, like many times in the universe, consciousness continues to blossom and evolve in all of these different pockets. We even see this in science and the evolution of the universe. And whenever something moves from unrealized to realized, all of a sudden, where that suffering, the root of that suffering was, leads you into mm -hmm. your service, which is such an incredible gift. It's almost like the caterpillar going into that little sack and then all of a sudden it's birthed and there is a service, there is a beauty, there is a divinity and a source that is created. Shows you your dharma. I want to talk about that a little bit because I found so much, and I know that Yeshua is like enough searching for reassurance and assurance <laughs> and enough, like find your faith instead. But in, I don't remember, it was in Sedona, he was talking about how we confuse our dharma and our vehicle. And in that transmission, essentially, too, he was like, you will change cars, like, do not be confused about what particular vehicle or phase of life you're in. And he also essentially said, there might be cul-de-sacs, but there are no wrong turns. What is for you will will not go by you. It will come back. And what is not for you is not for you. And I don't know, I found that so wonderful and also to make so much sense. It's very easy when that compassion comes or that inspiration comes and all of a sudden something in the unseen in the realm of the vertical moves into the horizontal and we feel inspired and engaged and connected. And then all of a sudden what is revealed as that inspiration starts working with our mind body and our heart body is the vehicle for our mm -hmm. dharma. And the vehicle can be, sometimes vehicles are kind of unexpected. It can be a child. It can be a job. There are many different vehicles that we have for our dharma. When vehicles become a problem is when somebody becomes attached to the vehicle. As soon as you become attached to something, it strips you of your connection to it. That was another mm. thing that he said in February and March. That was quite a doozy. You have to choose between attachment or connection. Attachment is very ego-based. I'm attached to being right. I'm attached to my ideologies. And unfortunately, what that does is that strips us of connection. We especially see this in the political minefield right now. So many people attached to what they, what they think is right for everybody else that we're forgetting the actual connection that we share. We also see this with social media, people that are very attached to their opinions and their ego reality. That is basically the illusion that they've crafted in their online life. And it strips them of their ability to connect to others within the real actual world. But when people start getting to attach to their vehicles, they lose their ability to connect to the reality of their sovereignty and their power. And what then starts to happen is that they, they feel like they've become their vehicle. So if there's a change to the vehicle, 
say the vehicle was a career path or a business that someone created. And all of a sudden, the vehicle breaks down, there's an issue, they're not happy in that thing anymore. When they've made that thing their identity, and then all of a sudden it doesn't bring them joy anymore, there is a complete identity crisis that can start to come and a tremendous amount of fear. Let's even take the vehicle of a marriage, for example. There is a marriage, starts out good, but then people really start getting attached and there's money and investments and children and all of this stuff. And they start really losing that connection. Even if they go to therapy and maybe try to bring that connection back, sometimes you know we just evolve into different paths within our life. But if that person's whole identity has been built into that marriage, there's a ton of fear. Where am I going to live? How am I going to make money? Are my kids going to be all right? What friends are going to be his friends and my friends now? There's like a whole thing that happens. And it's the same thing with say a movement and career path. I had a client once that was a very famous, famous pianist and his whole life, his whole identity was built into his persona as a piano player. And over the course of, it actually happened pretty quickly over the course of just about three years, he started hating playing the piano. It made him feel fraudulent. It made him feel gross. He was starting to feel resentful towards people. And I had to work with him on understanding that he may be a great piano player, but that is not what defines his worth and his value within Mm -hmm. this life that he is a sovereign individual. The piano playing is a skill or a tool that is a wonderful skill or tool, but when a skill and tool is no longer bringing joy to your life or is actually starting to create suffering, that is when you need to redirect. So we work together on him defining, moving energy into establishing other vehicles within his life and numerous ones. When somebody has pumped their whole identity into this one vehicle, sometimes the balance comes through just creating a couple of other vehicles, some friendships, a hobby or activity. It's different for everyone. But when we start to get our identity all wrapped up in our vehicles, including our children, that's a dangerous one when The vehicle of a child starts taking over someone's identity and all of a sudden they're over controlling or codependent with their child. That's dangerous too. So when we start to feel, well, I'll, I'll say this differently. It's just important to be able to recognize and feel deep gratitude for all of the different vehicles within your life, which is pretty much everything external to you. Your house is a vehicle and to feel grateful for those things, but to remember that they do not define your Mm. worth and your value. You are your sovereignty. Sovereign freedom was one of the greatest gifts of what Yeshua taught us within his life then and now. You have sovereign freedom. And through that freedom, you're able to shift and change and to create new vehicles as well as to destroy 
vehicles that are no longer serving. And that does require a bit of courage. It's not being emotionless and detached, but it is having the courage to be able to say, this vehicle's creating suffering. I need to destroy it. Doesn't have to happen overnight, but I need to start this process of rebalancing or destroying it, moving through the grief, letting go to this change in my story and leaving it in gratitude so that I can move forth on my path of evolution and service through joy. I'm exceedingly careful about what I buy, not only because I live in a 1500 square foot house with children who sure have an awful lot of stuff, but also because I try to be conscious about everything I use. And sure, I want to use everything I buy. In addition, thanks to a decade in the wellness industry, I am very keyed into product claims and product contents. This is why I like Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin, which is clinically backed with high-quality, traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. I also like their Symbiotic Plus 2, which is a probiotic that's simple and effective. Ritual makes the most elegant multivitamin around. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus has everything you need, specifically nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Their unique beetroot oil is so slick it's actually patented, and their capsule has a delayed release design, which is brilliant and essential, to help make it gentle on an empty stomach. And Ritual studies their vitamins, which is not the standard in the industry. Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin to assess its efficacy. The results, it increased vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. As most of us are getting far less sun right now, vitamin D supplementation is essential. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is one of the few women's multis that's USP verified, meaning what's on the label is what's in the formula. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark. It's also soy-free, gluten-free, vegan-friendly, and formulated without GMOs. Did I also mention that Ritual is a certified B Corp and female-founded? Nothing makes me happier than these two facts. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash thread. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash thread for 25% off. And then for people who feel like, well, why am I, am I not a concert pianist? Like that's the dream I have for myself. What's sort of the solve for people to, in some ways, I guess it's going back to intuition, right? Like how do people who feel like I want what she has or I want what he has, how do we start to distinguish that maybe that's not for us? It's actually less about intuition and more about interpretation. Because of course, what we do, we, we look out for patterns. This person happy, this person sad. Mm. This person must be doing something right. This person must be doing something wrong. This person right. good, this person bad. Okay, I think I'll start doing what she's doing. I think that I'll start mimicking this. If only 
I caught, if I follow these steps and do what she did or he did, then I would be happy. And that's never going to work because you have no idea what that person has experienced. You don't know where they are within their lives. You may have a beautiful relationship with your family and parents. She may not. She may be a concert pianist and you may not. We all have, there is a complete equality that we have inherent to our gifts and inherent to the originality of our essence. And frankly, Yeshua talks a lot about this. It's actually, I believe the third or fourth imbalance of the mind is complacency where Yeshua talks about complacency. And one of the easy things is to see someone else to have your ego project. I'm going to do that. I could do it better. If only it was me that had the power, then I would make everything right. And that is an ego-based statement. It is mm-hmm. a need for you to basically feel important because that's, let's look at some of the big things, you know, a concert pianist or a famous influencer. There's an importance, there's a purpose, there's a meaning that comes with somebody that's known, wow, you know, they have meaning, they have purpose within the world. Well, so does everybody else. But overall, the, the complacency and the mimicry type of thing it will make you feel fraudulent. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, it will make you, and that when you're living a should be or supposed to life, that's when you know that you're in your illusion self. And seeing what somebody else is doing, if it inspires you, great. In an original way, borrow from that inspiration and evolve it in a way that is right for you. But seeing, that person and chasing that rainbow, I've got to get to that rainbow is going to lead you on an endless course of chasing rainbows through the whole of your life and Mm. ultimately never actually knowing self. We were each designed with special essence and abilities and for the people that are struggling to feel a sense of purpose, that is when Sorry, I know you all love to take a ton of classes and manifestation workshops and all sorts of stuff like that. But when you are feeling a true need to move into your purpose, that is when you need to go inward. And even if there's only one thing that you know to be true about yourself, your gifts. Maybe it's that you have a high level of compassion. Maybe it's that you love to create meals and and bring a community together. Maybe it's that you're very good at comforting another. Maybe it's that you're a very good listener. Take that one or two things, two things, and in meditation, sit with that, those one or two things, almost just plant them like a seed. Imagine that one or two special, unique gifts that you have, like a seed in the womb. And each and every day, sit with it, breathe compassion, patience, 
love Mm. and gratitude and the seed will grow. The cultivation and incubation of seeds like that, of dreams, is extraordinary. And as long as you're patient and not not expecting something to just boom, grow overnight, the revelation, Mm. which is the energy that brings that seed from beneath ground and into the world, the, the, the revelation will come to you. And then all of a sudden, You'll either just naturally feel like you're already serving in your purpose within this life, or the revelation will create a path for you to realize the vehicles Mm. that are aligned for you. I love that. I feel like in that same transmission, Yeshua said, or it was throughout that whole week, like your only job is to plant seeds Mm. and we will make them, we will make the ones that are supposed to grow, but you have to plant seeds. And it's so interesting. You know, I, this is just, I, I never like talking about myself, but I'll just tell a little humble story real quick. So when, as, as Yeshua's presence had just activated in my channel and I had just gone through massive loss, like massive, everything in my life just crumbled, needed to, and the crumbling of my old life was not the suffering. The suffering was my old life. I just didn't realize it Mm. until it crumbled. And then all of a sudden I felt liberation come as a result of that. So the suffering was before. The pain and the grief happened during the crumbling, but it was the pain and the grief that ultimately set me free. So everything that I've been saying today, I've I've also gone through it. So (laughs) For those I love human that. Carissa. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> but right after that, I, I really, I was, I was so terrified. I was all alone. I didn't, I, I really hadn't received the vision of where things were moving. I was still very afraid about really committing to my path as a forensic medium and psychic, just because of the judgment uh, that I faced so much in my youth and, and, and my childhood. But I decided to just take a couple of seeds. And one of them was sharing. One of them was working with nature. One of them was connecting people to spirit, but the people that would authentically be ready to receive those types of messages and would not be judgmental. And then of course, a book. And I thought that the book, and this this was 12, 13 years ago, I thought that the book would be the core seed. I thought that the book would be the thing that came first, but I sat for two years, I did that thing that I just told you (laughs) where I just sat and every day I worked with these energies and infused compassion, patience, love. Sometimes my expectations started getting in the way, but I would just come back to that cultivation, but I wasn't getting any revelation. And after year one, I was like starting to get a little bit nervous, but I just kept I just kept going with it. 
And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I had the dream about following Red Road. So I just got into the car. I had like no money, nothing. And I just drove to Sedona. Mm-hmm. And I overshot Sedona, wound up at, at Sunset Crater, which is an absolutely amazing monument for the Hopi Kachinas and just very, very special space. And all of a sudden, as I was just grieving, ugly crying, I think is what cool people call it now, on the ground, all of a sudden the revelation came of leading journeys and what to do with regards to structuring sessions. And it just all emerged and came together so quickly because it was, it was inspired through the vertical and then birthed in to the horizontal. True alignment with passion and dharma never comes through just the horizontal and then it connects you deeper to the vertical. It can on occasion feel that way, but true divine service almost always comes through the vertical and moves its way into the horizontal. The horizontal can give inspiration or whatnot, but it needs to come from you, your path of dharma, which is the vertical because the vertical is your true reality which is the space of the unseen. So I might, and then of course, I totally forgot that I had planted that little seed about the book, totally forgot about it. And then all of a sudden I realized like three months ago, I was like, oh my gosh, there's a book. It may not be my book. It's Yeshua's book. It's a very vertical book. (laughs) I was like, I totally forgot about that little seed that I had incubated and planted So for those of you that actually go through this process and take five minutes a day to plant the seeds and breathe the compassion, patience, love, and gratitude, for those of you that do take the time, be careful because these sacred (laughs) seeds, they're going to break ground and they'll break. It may be in a circuitous way, maybe not just in the way that you expected, Sometimes it can take 10 years, 20 years, but they're going to break, break ground. So stay patient, stay in your faith and, and allow the revelation to unfurl. Do you want to talk about doing our study group or do you want me to do it? So I am so excited to, (sighs) I'm so grateful for the number of requests that We've gotten to do a study group, even though I'm a humble person, I was, as all people are afraid that just everybody would, would hate the book. And of course it's (laughs) controversial and people don't understand that this is an avatar and what channeling is. So it means so much to me that your people (laughs) have asked for a study group that people are reading the book. It is so life-changing and even just receiving the nourishment that is in the book is an extraordinary service because of what it activates which within each person and illuminates within them. So the study group is you and I, Elise, thank you so- <laughs> Well, I'm going to just support and it's going to be you, but I'll, I'll be the- I don't know what role I'm yeah, going to play. You have gifts. You have so many. You, you are able to uncover the message beneath the text, 
very dexterously. Your Yeshua self is incredibly wise and you also know how to ask the right questions. With me, I am so used to, you know, just connecting to an ind individual person's energy that I would be afraid to do the study group on my own because I'll probably just wind up doing like readings for people the whole time. <laughs> and I actually feel like people are coming because they want a study group. The so. readings are pretty fun though. Absolutely. So <laughs> we'll weave some of that in there. So it's going to be four days. It's online. It's June 15th through the 18th. And there will be plenty of space for questions and answers. So we will bring that into it. And it's a forum for sharing mm -hmm. really. So it's hard sometimes to find the time to go through all the exercises and it's just a space in which we actually can process, do the exercises, some of the meditations, some of the prayers, but also to share some of my, some of our experiences, what hmm. has resonated, where we've seen or witnessed certain things that Yeshua offers in the book within our own lives. And so it's just going to be very co-creative type of process. And we have a couple of super fun guests as well that are going to be joining us. Um, Dr. Jennifer Freed, who is an amazing astrologer and just a sacred human being. She's going to be giving kind of an astrology update for 2022. So I hope that you will join us for that. And if you can't make June, it would be wonderful for you to maybe come to a journey. So yeah. a Sedona journey, Sedona journeys are where Yeshua actually does the transmissions that Elise and I talk about in such They're depth. amazing. So they're, it's really fun. Yeah. They're pretty life-changing experiences. Yeah. So all of the information on the study group and journeys and sessions and things like that, you can find at my new website. This is amazing. <laughs> For 15 years, I didn't have a website and I still don't have a website because this is actually structured as just a little web portal, but it is www.thespirittransmissions.com. So www the spirit transmissions.com it's a very I'm very proud we really are going all going through an upgrade and an evolution right now and we need to be embracing of certain aspects of that upgrade so carissa as a human has dramatically affected my life and I count her as a dear friend. I love her. She's brilliant and her mind is fascinating apart from her ability to channel both dead people and Christ consciousness. And for Yeshua or Yesh as my friend Scott calls him, we've become quite fond of him and he's actually really funny that information is life-changing and the freedom transmissions book which came out in november is such a powerful read and i've read it from front to back but as chris has said it's almost best 
opened at random and you kind of generally find what you need in that moment. It's almost like a tarot card deck. But we are going to be doing a study group because I mentioned casually that I was thinking of hosting one after our first podcast interview and was overwhelmed with interest of people who wanted to work through the book. And so I talked to Chris about it and what she thought I should do. And she mentioned that maybe we could turn it into an online, not full journey, but experience. So I'm going to join. I'll be facilitating primarily. It's a Carissa run event and you can sign up for it on her website, thespirittransmissions.com. We're still figuring out exactly how to work through the book, but it will be primarily in response to questions. There will be some special guests from this side and the other. And it should be quite remarkable. You never really know what's going to happen with Carissa and where we're going to go. So I'm sure it will be full of surprise and delights. So hopefully I'll see you there. It's June 15th through 18th. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. You can find show notes and full transcripts of the episodes at the elisepodcast.com. Please sign up for my newsletter. I promise I won't spam you. Or follow me on Instagram at Elise Lunen to get updates on new episodes. I'd also like to give a huge thank you to my sponsors who make this show possible. Please support them the way they support this podcast. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio. If you enjoyed this episode, please listen, rate, review, and follow Pulling the Thread, available now for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts, i.e. wherever you're listening right now. I also want to thank you in advance for sharing any episodes with friends who you think might like the show because that is how podcasts grow. I want to give a shout out to Phil Svitek, Lauren LaGrasso, Serena Reagan, Mary-Kate McDonough, and the entire Cadence 13 team for producing these episodes, and to Valero Duvall for my key art. Take care of yourselves. I'll see you next week.